All right. Let's, um, let's just start this morning. I'm going to read a short passage of Scripture, a very, very familiar passage of Scripture that many of you know. Uh, but I just want to read a short passage, and then we're going to dive in to God's Word this morning. Matthew 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. Somebody said, you are. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Tell somebody next to you, you are the light of the world. Today, on our 12-year anniversary, I want to preach just for a very few moments on the topic, remember who you are. Remember who you are. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads. Let's still our hearts. Prepare for God's word. Father, we love you and we thank you and we praise you that you are here right now, that your presence is here, not far away, where two or three are gathered in your name. You're here. And so I pray, Lord God, on this celebration Sunday, that our hearts would be open and receptive to your word, that you would encourage us, empower us, inspire us, to become the men and women of God that you designed us to be. Help us to remember, God, who we are in you. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. So if you've ever been to a sporting event or you've ever been on a sports team, you will know that usually along the field, the edge of the field, or along the edge of the court, or along the edge of the mat, there's a group of cheerleaders. And the cheerleaders' primary goal is to encourage the team. That's their job. They want to they whip up the crowd so that the crowd will cheer to encourage the team to perform well. That's the job of the cheerleader. And if you'll notice, if you've ever reflected on the cheers that cheerleaders chant, they're usually cheers of identity. Now, I was, I was in high school at one point, just six, seven years ago. It's been a, it's maybe longer. And, and, and I was on the wrestling team, and we had a group of cheerleaders along the edge of the mat, and they would pound on the mat, and they would cheer. And I still remember several of the cheers. One of the cheers was this, which I, this is my favorite cheer, and I chant it around the house. Ready? Here it is. We're big, B-I-G-N. We're bad, B-A-D-N. We're boss, B-O-S-S, B-O-S-S, boss. Somebody knew that one. <laughs> Were you at Pattonville in the, in the late 80s? No, okay. Um, Another one, and, and this one might be more familiar. Another one was, everywhere we go, people want to know who we are. So we tell them, we are the pirates. Mighty, mighty pirates. We lost them. Everybody fell apart, right? Say it loud, say it proud. We are the pirates, let's go. Every, every cheer seems to have this, this, this tone of reminding people who they are. Because when we remember who we are, then we know what to do. And so the cheer is saying, hey, I want to remind you of your identity. I, rem- I want to remind you of who you are. I want to remind you how mighty and strong and brave and, and incredible. You're mighty, mighty. I want to remind you who you are. When Jesus pulls his disciples aside in Matthew chapter 5, he goes, let me remind you who you are. You are the light of the world. You're like the salt of the earth. You don't put a light under a, 
under a basket and hide it. No, you let it shine. You put it on a stand so the whole world can see the light. He's saying, I want to remind you who you are. Today on our 12-year anniversary at One Family Church, if you don't mind, I'm just going to remind you who you are. I just want to remind you who you are. Now, you know that we started September 18, 2011. We held our first service right here in the Tivoli Theater. All y'all down at Shaw, we were right here in the Tivoli uh, in 2011, September 18. We have grown in the last 12 years from 11 people to over 1,200 people coming on on Sunday mornings. We've grown from just a handful of baptisms to dozens of baptisms every year. We've grown from giving away about $6,000 a year to our missions partners to over a quarter of a million dollars a year to our missions partners. We've grown from renting the Tivoli Theater for two hours on a Sunday to owning the Tivoli Theater and the Shaw Campus. So by all of these external measurements, you go, man, this church is flourishing and God is faithful. And that's true. But I want us to locate ourselves in something bigger than the last 12 years. Because the reality is one family church is not just 12 years old. You see, the church began on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. This happened by most scholarly accounts in about 30 AD. So I'm not great at math, but that's about 1,993 years ago. Church, can I just tell you, you're not 12 years old. You're about two millennia years old. We are part of a movement that swept the globe. On the day of Pentecost, 120 people gathered together and they began to pray and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they began to proclaim the gospel of Jesus in the languages of all the people that had gathered. And every nation, tribe, and tongue began to come and gather around the church. And the scripture says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 3,000. And then about two weeks later or three weeks later, another 5,000 to 10,000 joined the church. And then it grew to tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands and then millions and then billions. And we're not, we're not, we're not the church. We're just a little sliver of what God has been doing for 2,000 years. Let me just remind you who you really are. Now, the truth is the church began 2,000 years ago, but the church had been prophesied hundreds of years before that. The ancient prophets, the Israelite prophets, were prophesying about the church. In fact, if you look back at Isaiah, who prophesied 700 years before Jesus was even born, here's what Isaiah says about you. He's talking about you. He says, you, this is identifying language, you will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. You will be a royal diadem. A diadem is a a gold and bejeweled crown like a tiara or a band. You are a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but the Lord will take delight. Somebody say delight. The Lord will take delight in who? In you. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your, your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Church, let me remind you who you are today. If you're taking notes, write this down. You are God's delight. Let that sink in for a minute. You are God's delight. Now, if you've ever been to a wedding, there are a few moments in the wedding you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss the kiss. You got to get the kiss. You got you to see the kiss. That's a good moment in the wedding. You don't want to miss the exchange of the rings. That's an important moment in the wedding. But perhaps the most glorious moment in the wedding is when the bride walks into the sanctuary. 
and, and the wedding march begins to play. And all of the crowd stands, right? And if you're a really good wedding photographer, here's a, here's a tip if you're going into wedding photography, okay? First of all, you want to get a picture of the bride as she comes in. But then what you really want to do is you want to turn around and you want to get a picture of the face of the groom. Because it's in that moment that, that you experience the groom's delight. Now, as a pastor, I've had the front row seat of many grooms. They're always standing right here. And when, and when the bride comes in, I look, and then I look over here. And I've seen all kinds of reactions. I've seen guys <laughs> start to hyperventilate. I've held a couple guys so they didn't fall down. I've done all kinds. I mean, I've just I've been there on the front row. My favorite, my favorite example of a groom's delight was a wedding I did a few years ago. Uh, a couple, some of you may know, Dom and Michelle Mendoza. They're down at the Shaw campus. Dom and Michelle are on the worship team. Uh, they're creative people. And can I just tell you, Dom's one of those guys who's not afraid of his emotions. I mean, he's just going to let you know how he feels. And we're standing there at this wedding. And Michelle comes walking in. The, the bride comes in. And I look over at Dom. And can I just tell you, people, can I just tell you, Dom? Dom gave me permission to tell this story. Let me just tell you what Dom did. Can I tell you what Dom did? Dom went like this. I mean, my man almost went down. I mean, tears. I'm talking sobs. Dom, you know I'm not exaggerating. Check the video. My man... What like he doubled over the 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 sheer joy and his delight poured out on everybody else. Now we're all crying and laughing and going, what is going? But it was just this absolute delight that the groom had for the bride. When Isaiah talks about God's relationship to you and the way God sees you, he says God is looking at you and going, oh, I am delighted in you. I think Dom pulled it together. We might have just a quick little picture of Dom after, after he, he kind of got it together there after a minute. We surrounded him. We kept him, kept him together. The truth of the matter is, if, if you'll allow me to remind you who you are, you are God's delight. Another prophet, Zephaniah, put it like this. He said, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great, somebody say delight. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. I want to remind you who you are. You are God's delight. Do you know how happy you have to be to rejoice in singing over somebody? Right? That's that's God going, you are the church, the mighty, mighty church. He's singing over you. He is delighted in you. Somebody needs to get this this morning. I I was with a group of pastors this week, and one of the pastors, we were doing a devotional. And uh, Clay Smith from um, First Press down in, in Clayton, he read Isaiah 62 and started talking about God rejoicing and delight and all that. And I got to tell you, I almost pulled a Dominic Mendoza. I just like I, I like, I got so moved by that just to think of how God sees me and how God sees us and how God sees his church. Some of you have been under under the condemnation and shame and guilt for so long and you think of God as this taskmaster that's just driving you and God's saying man I just delight in you I delight in my church like like a bridegroom delights in the bride seven out 700 years after Isaiah wrote the apostle Paul said let me give you another metaphor for the way God sees you 
Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Jesus came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. Some of, some of us were pretty far away from God. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, he said, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but your fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Listen to this. In him, the whole building, building meaning you all, us all, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple. Somebody say holy temple. You become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You're not only God's delight, you are God's temple. You are God's temple. If you're taking notes, write down. You are God's, you are God's temple. We don't really have temples in the Old Testament sense anymore, but sometimes people will build buildings to, to, try, to, to, to try to capture the majesty and the beauty and the glory of God. If you go to Barcelona, Spain, there's a, there's a, there's a church there called the Sagrada Familia. It is an absolutely gorgeous work of architecture. It is absolutely majestic. It is absolutely stunning. The, the work on this building began in 1883. A designer and architect named Gaudi began to work on it at about 30 years old. He worked on it for 40 years. His whole career, he worked on this building until he died at about the age of 74. In fact, he's actually buried in the building. He's, he's buried in, in one of the crypts in the building. And this building, what's fascinating about this building is that it began construction in 1883. Can I just tell you, they're still working on that building? We are 140 years later, and they are, that building is still under construction. It is the longest ongoing construction of any building on the planet right now. Isn't it amazing that the, that the longest ongoing construction of any building on the planet is a church? Isn't that interesting? You see, what God is saying in this passage from the Apostle Paul is, hey, I'm just working on you all. I'm just bringing you together. I'm just, I'm the master, I'm, Jesus is the master architect, and I'm just bringing in all these different pieces from all these different places, and I'm putting everything together in the way that it fits together so that ultimately you will be God's dwelling place. Can you just tell somebody today, we're God's temple. It's a we. It's all of us being formed together to come together. The scripture says where two or three are gathered, I'm there. Did you know that you're the temple whenever you and one other person gets together to honor Jesus? You form a temple, and Christ is there in your midst. He's there in your midst, which means that he's here right now at the Tivoli Theater. Not because of the theater, but because these people are gathered together in Christ's name. He's at the Shaw Campus, not because of the building, but because God's people are gathered together. He's at, he's at Eckerd Park Nursing Home right now. God himself is at Eckerd Park Nursing Home right now because people have gathered together in his name. He's at stepping into the light shelter right now because some brothers have come together in Christ's name. Wherever two or three are gathered, you form the temple of the Holy Spirit. You become the temple of God. You're no longer foreigners and strangers. He's bringing us together to form the temple. You're God's delight. You're God's temple. Let me remind you who you are. The Apostle Paul then wrote another letter to another church and said, let me give you another illustration or metaphor for who you are. First Corinthians, he says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body. Somebody say one body. 
whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one spirit to drink. There should be no division in the body. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Then he says this. This is, this is identifying language. Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you, each one of you is a part of it. You're God's delight. You're God's temple. You're God's body. You are the body of Christ. That's number three. You're God's body. The body of Christ. Uh, I showed you a picture a few, maybe a few months ago of a group of pastors that have been getting together every, uh, every few months. We get together and have lunch and, or we'll have dinner at somebody's house. And um, this group has just come together because what we've wanted to explore together is the reality uh, that although there are many different, uh, there are many different uh, expressions of the church, there's actually only one church. And so in this group of pastors, there's the Archbishop of the Archdiocese of St. Louis, there are Lutherans, there are Presbyterians, there's Baptists, there's Pentecostals, there's non-denominations. They're all, they're, there's, they're all in there. And what we, have, what we have learned together and what we are trying to build together is the reality that there's only one God and there's only one church. And what God wants is no division in the body. He wants followers of Jesus to say, hey, we are one in him. Did you know this metaphor, what this metaphor means is we're not an organization, we're an organism. We're an organism. A body is alive. A body is full of life. A body is in motion. A body breathes. And if you are the body of Christ, if we are the body of Christ and he is the head, that means God has called us to do what Jesus did. That means that we go out and we proclaim the gospel. We bring healing. We bring hope. We bring peace. We bring justice. We bring righteousness. Why? Because we are the body. I want to just remind you today who you are. You are the body of Christ. You are God's delight. You are God's temple You are God's body. And then I'm going to give you one more reminder of who you are. Are you ready? This is the last one. I told you I would get a two-hour sermon in less than 20 minutes. My wife asked me today, she said, one question about your sermon. I said, what is it, babe? Is it short? I said, okay, all right, I got you, I got you. It's Celebration Sunday, you know, there's ice cream trucks out there, you know, we can't be in here all day, amen. All right, last, last metaphor. So... The last book of the Bible, an individual named John the Revelator, one of the early church fathers, said, let me, give you, let me give you a metaphor. Let me give you another analogy for who you are. Let me remind you who you are. Revelation 19.6. It says this. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. And here it is. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride, that's you, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, write this down, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Let me just tell you what he's saying. You're God's delight. You're God's temple. You're God's body. Final one is, you're God's party waiting to happen. Did you hear me? I said, you're God's party waiting to happen. When he starts talking about a wedding feast, what he's saying is there's a reception after the wedding. Anybody ever been to a wedding reception? There's music at a wedding reception. There's food. There's dancing. 
There's rejoicing. Why? Because it's a party. And what God is saying is, look, this is the church. You are the bride of Christ. You are the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom. And someday there's going to be a party. And, and blessed is everybody who's invited to the party. Because it is going to be a party to remember. It is a, it is a party that ends all parties. He said the church is a party waiting to happen. There's a wedding feast. There's a reception coming at the end of all of this. Now, yesterday morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, I went over to the parking lot at the Tivoli Theater and I took this, this picture. I'm going to show you this picture. I took this picture at 6 o'clock in the morning yesterday. Now, you might say, now that's weird. Why would you go take a picture at 6 o'clock in the morning of an empty parking lot? The reason I took that picture is because I knew what it was going to look like at noon. Because here's what it looked like at noon. You see, it was just a party waiting to happen. We had barbecue. We had bounce houses. We had music. We had hot dogs. And it was a party waiting to happen. Jesus is saying, look, the church is a party waiting to happen. You know why we have barbecues? You know why we, you know, you know why we have t-shirts and ice cream trucks? We're reminding ourselves who we are. We're just reminding ourselves that we are coming into relationship with God. There's something to rejoice about. There's something to praise about. We're not a 12-year-old church. We're a 2,000-year-old church, and the church ends in a party. So as I close today, I just want to remind you who you are. You see, Isaiah wrote those words in Isaiah 62, and then he said, here's how you get there in Isaiah 61. And this is the passage that Jesus quoted when he started his ministry. And then this is the passage that demonstrates what the church is and who the church is. And the scripture in Isaiah 61 begins by saying the spirit of the Lord God is upon us. Because the Lord has anointed us to preach good tidings unto the meek. It's talking about us. He has sent us to bind up the brokenhearted. He sent us to proclaim of freedom to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. He sent us to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. He sent us to comfort those who mourn, to bring them beauty for ashes, to bring them the oil of joy for mourning, to bring them the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Why? That they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Jesus is saying, church, I want you to remember who you are. You are God's delight. You are God's temple. You are God's body. You are God's party waiting to happen. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, church. One family church, you're the light of the world. Don't put yourself under a shade. Don't put yourself under a basket. Let that light shine so that everybody in the house can see it. Let us shine. Let us shine. Let us shine. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. God, you're so good. We thank you, honor you, and celebrate you. We thank you for being faithful to this church as we have sought to follow you in everything that we do. We thank you for your kindness, your gentleness, and your love for us. We, we lift you up today, God, because the church is your bride. And we are reminded who we are. And we look forward, Lord, to just being with you. We look forward, Lord, to being your hands and feet on the earth. We look forward to pursuing your purpose. 
pursuing your mission, pursuing your vision. Let us be your people. Let us be your light, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen.